Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. today. We are in a continuing study that we're getting close to the end and we've been going through the Acts of the Apostles uh, from the beginning to the end and it's taken about a year to go through it so thank you for staying with us for these past 53, 54 weeks but we will be finishing up today and our final section on uh, Acts chapter 28 we'll be reading verses 11 through 31 and the title of my message today is Finishing Well finishing well. So if you take your Bible out and take a look at the 28th uh, chapter of the Acts of the Apostle, uh, we're going to uh, uh, take a look at these final verses in the Acts of the Apostles. Now actually the context for these verses as well as much of the Acts of the Apostles goes all the way back to the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 1 verse 8. And these are the only words in red in the Acts of the Apostles because Jesus is giving his final instructions to his disciples. And Jesus says this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we saw uh, that as we went, as we traveled through the Acts of the Apostles, that in reality this was the, uh, this was the context for the entire book of, of, of Acts. Uh, we saw especially with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul started off in, in Jerusalem. He was a Pharisee. He was attacking the Christians. And on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus met him and had the, he had this encounter with Jesus that significantly changed his life. And he went to the Jews. He went to the Jews first, but then to the Gentiles. And he started in Jerusalem and Judea, went into Samaria. And the Apostle Paul brought the gospel into Europe and North Africa and to Asia. Uh, it was an amazing time. And this was exactly what Jesus was talking about. And it was all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So today's message is on finishing well. And you know, all of us love a story that finishes well. Here in Celebration, Florida, we are all fans of Disney. And Disney stories especially know how to finish well. Uh, for example, you're familiar with Beauty and the Beast. The Beauty and the Beast had a, a great finish. Belle is happy, the prince is no longer a beast, and Gaston is defeated. And then we have the Lion King. The Lion King was recently redone. The ending is one of the best. Simba walks up Pride Rock, claims to be his, to, to, claims his true place as the king. All of the animals get, gather together as Rafiki becomes the prince of the monkeys. And they all live happily ever after. Speaking of happily ever after, all of Disney princesses, they share this, whether it's Cinderella or Snow White or Rapunzel uh, in the new um, Disney movie Tangled, um, all of the princesses, they overcome the magic spell against them, they marry the prince and they live happily ever after. Well, here's the thing, friends, if you've ever noticed that the Bible actually does Disney one better because the Bible has this tremendous ending. It's an ending, it's a finish for each one of us as well as for the entire human race. There's a happy ending and I'm so glad that Dr. Luke who wrote the Acts of the Apostles allows Paul uh, to finish well. 
So let's begin today. Acts 28, beginning in verse 11. It says, After three months we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there we circled round and reached Regum. And after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Tulia, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as a, a P forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, Luke begins by telling us that they spent three months. They spent three months on Malta. If you remember, Paul had wanted to stay at Fairhaven and winter there. But instead, they ended up shipwrecked on Malta. So they wintered at, at, uh, at Malta. Now, it's only been three months, and winters, quite frankly, last a little longer than that. So it's probably um, early spring or the end of winter, and most likely the weather breaks. And because the weather breaks, they board this Alexandrian ship, and they push off and head towards Rome. Now, Dr. Luke is clearly stating in the gospel, if you heard this, that Christianity, the Holy Spirit and Christianity had already arrived in Rome prior to Paul's arrival. Now, how was that happen? How did that happen? Well, these were Jewish people. Remember, if you go back to the Acts of the Apostles at the very beginning, um, we saw the day of Pentecost had fully come and the Holy Spirit had descended on the 120 in the upper room. And it says that in the crowd, uh, there were Jews from uh, uh, Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Crete. They were visitors from Rome. That's Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 10. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And, and we find out in the Acts of the Apostles that there were over 3,000 that were baptized that day and there were daily added more and more people into this fellowship, this early fellowship of Christians. So many of those people, some of those people at least, were, were Rome, from Rome. Uh, they were Jewish converts and Jews from Rome, and they took the gospel back with them. So here it is 30, 35 years later, and Paul is finally getting to Rome, and he finds that there are, are believers there. There are Christians there, and that must have really picked his spirit up, to know that there were people that believed like he did, um, already there, already established. The Holy Spirit had gone before them as well. So let's continue. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, Though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you, to see you and speak with you because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brothers who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. Now, now just imagine what it would have been like for the apostle Paul 
to get together before this Jewish group of people and hear that they had not heard anything negative about Paul. Now they had heard a lot about this sect. It said that, that, that uh, it is spoken of against everywhere, meaning that they'd heard a lot of negative things about this sect called the Way, or these early Christian people. But they had not heard anything against Paul. Again, how, what, how delightful, how delightful it would have been for Paul to finally be able to speak to some Jewish people and not have this baggage of all, what, all the accusations that were brought against him in Jerusalem uh, being brought forward. Uh, he's able to speak to them on a neutral flight. The, the, the page is clear, it's a blank slate. It's like a, like a chalkboard without any chalk on it yet. I mean, Paul is able to, to speak to them. Um, now, it's interesting, they say this. He said, they say, we desire to hear from you what you think. Isn't that wonderful? I love it when somebody comes to me and they say, would you tell me a little bit about Christianity? <laughs> I love it. That will make my day. Now, there are three things that they wanted from Paul, and I've identified them. Number one, they said, what do you think, Paul? What do you think? And number two, they said, what is this sect? What do they believe? What makes them different, these followers of the way? What makes Christianity different, this sect of Judaism? What makes it different and distinct from what we know about Judaism? And the third thing they said, they said, it is spoken against everywhere. What they're basically saying is, we know we're not sure who they are, what they believe, or how they're different from us, but we know somehow we're supposed to be against it. You know, and let me tell you, my friends, this is usually the starting point of Christianity. People that know very little about Christianity or about the Bible or about Jesus, other than they understand Jesus as a swear word. They know very little about Christianity, but they know somehow they're to be afraid of it. They're to be cautious of it. So let's continue. Verse 23. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should hear, see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. You know, wouldn't you have loved to hear this sermon by Paul? I mean, it's not recorded other than how he quotes the prophet Isaiah. You know, Paul's had over 25 years of experience and explaining Jesus to them, of taking the, the law, which is the books of Moses, and the prophets, which is the majority of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, and explaining to them how Jesus was the Messiah, how Jesus was the actual perfect Lamb of God that was to come, how the Messiah had come, the Messiah had died on the cross for their sins, and then rose again on the third day. This was Paul's gospel, and he explained it to them. Now, Paul... Um, in, in talking to the Jews, remember, he can't use any of the New Testament. Paul had actually written a letter to the Romans. Now, this was written to the Christian believers. 
to the Christian believers in Rome prior to Paul's arrival, he wrote the epistle to the Romans. Now, scholars often call the epistle to the Romans, which is in a tremendous theological book, um, actually the fifth gospel. You know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes the fifth gospel is this epistle to the Romans. Uh, and the reason it's called uh, the gospel is because it's a, it's a beautiful text. It's just an amazing story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of the law, of sin, of grace, of faith, and most likely, and most of all, of righteousness. And, and he basically teaches that this gift of God, which is a free gift, this gift of grace, um, um, makes them righteous. And it's an imputed righteousness because of who Jesus Christ is. And because of that righteousness, they are able to live a, a different life, a life that's acceptable to God, not because of their actions, but because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. Now, to these Jews, however, Paul needed to rely on the Old Testament. So he explained to them from morning till night exactly who Jesus was. Now, what did the people do with this amazing sermon? Well, they, do the they did the same thing then that they do continue to do to this day. Some people would believe and others would refuse. Now, see, here's the thing. Whether you believe or you believe in Jesus or you refuse to believe the gospel, you have made a decision. You've, 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 your, you've done your choice. You've made a choice. Either you're for God or you're against God. Now, Paul ends up quoting a prophecy that's found in Isaiah. And I'll read to you again what Paul had to say. And this message is not only for the Jews, this is for the Gentiles as well. This is what Paul told them. He said, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see but not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have been closed, lest they should hear with their hear ears and see with their eyes and be blessed. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn and I will heal them. You know, often we pray, even before these services, that our ears would be open, that our heart would be open, that our eyes would be open as well, that we would hear the gospel and be able to receive it and be able to respond to it. And this is what the, the apostle, this is what the prophet Isaiah said, you know, 800 years before Paul, is that there would be a time when the gospel would be preached and some would receive it and some would not. Their hearts would be dull. But here's the thing. What Paul said is he, that's why he turned to the Gentiles. Aren't you glad that the Gentiles were grafted into this wonderful gospel which was prepared for the Jewish people? Now, I want to briefly affirm that God is not done with the Jews. And I know this is a little bit off topic, but I, I think it's important for us to mention. There's a theology that's popular in many churches today. It's called supersessionism. It's also called replacement theology, particularly by those people that, that have a different point of view. Now, this supersessionism is a teaching that asserts that the new covenant, the new covenant, which is about Jesus Christ, supersedes the old covenant which is made exclusively with the, with the Jewish people. As a result, according to this teaching, and there's no longer a place or any promises left for Israel or the people of Israel. In fact, people that follow this teaching will look at the Jewish people in the land of Israel today as just an anomaly, just as a, a coincidence, having nothing to do with all the promises that God would regather his people. Now, 
an alternative understanding is what, what we teach, what I teach. And what's and that's known as dispensationalism. It's the whole idea is that there's a continued distinction between Israel and the church. All of the churches, all the promises that God made to Israel that have not been fulfilled yet will be fulfilled. There'll be a future rapture. That's a resurrection for the people of the church. Before, at least prior to the worst part of a seven-year tribulation period that's spoken of in Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. Um, and this, this, this rapture, this resurrection of the people of God will happen sometime prior to the tribulation or at least before what's known as the wrath. And then after that, a millennial kingdom, meaning a thousand years of, of peace on earth with Jesus reigning from the throne of David in Israel. And then, of course, the new heaven and the new earth. So we see this as all coming at some time in the future, but we see uh, promises for Israel that have not been fulfilled will be fulfilled because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's conclude our lesson for today. Remember, our lesson is called Finishing Well. Verse 30, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now, this is Paul finishing well. Uh, we understand from the scriptures that Paul, while he was in Rome, wrote what we know as the prison epistles. The prison epistles were written by Paul while he was a prisoner in Rome. And he wrote uh, the epistle to the Philippians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, and Philemon. And this was while he was under guard in, in Rome. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, Dr. Luke says that he spent two years there in his own rented house. Paul finished well. Uh, what a blessing, uh, not only for Apostle Paul, but also a promise to us as well, that there's an opportunity for all of us to be able to, to finish well. Uh, Dr. Luke concludes these words about Paul. He said he was, able to, uh, be, uh, he was able to teach with all confidence, no one forbidding him. You see, the last two years of Paul's life were not wasted. And God didn't waste time, Paul's time while he was in Rome. God never wastes our time. Now, tradition tells us that Paul eventually had his appearance before Caesar. Uh, that was Nero. He, it's entirely reasonable to believe that he boldly and powerfully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to Caesar himself. It's tradition that tells us that Paul was acquitted of all charges, was then subsequently arrested, uh, was brought before Caesar, and was beheaded. Uh, but again, that's, that's tradition. That's not what the Bible is telling us. That's tradition. That doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that that's not our lesson for today. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy sometime when he was at Rome. Sometime around this time, possibly during those two years or possibly after it. And this is what he says, and we'll conclude with these words. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who crave his appearing. Now, this phrase, finishing well, means different things to different people. For some, finishing well means a great financial retirement package with, with full medical benefits. For others, the adage, he who dies with the most toys wins, is how they understand what finishing well means. For others, it means to leave money to your heirs, your children, and your children's children. However, for believers, for those of you, for those of you that 
uh, know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Finishing well to, means like, to, to them means like it does to the Apostle Paul. Following Christ to the very end of our lives. Finishing his assignments for us and hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.